The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of MedPEP or Physician Health Services. The advice given to Marie Curious has been individualized and may not apply to the listener. While Marie Curious is a real person describing both real and hypothetical events and situations, she is using a pseudonym for this series. Welcome to MedPEP, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program. I'm your host, Dr. Les Schwab, a practicing internist, experienced medical leader, and professional coach. I help medical leaders and health professionals manage workplace complexity in today's stressful and depleting practice environment. Each week, my role is to guide my young colleague, Dr. Marie Curious, a young internist with a practice that she is trying to manage to not only survive, but thrive in today's very difficult environment. And each week, Marie and I have the privilege of a conversation with a visiting expert who offers some insights and possible solutions to the problems of practice today. Today's guest is Dr. Joe Shapiro, who's going to be speaking to us about peer support. But before we begin the conversation with Joe, I want to ask Marie if she had any insights about our last conversation with Joe in which she talked about conflict management. Les, glad to be back with you. Something that I took away from the conflict management discussion with Joe that really impacted me, and I'm still brewing over it as we speak, is the empowerment that I got from her to say that as a physician, I can give feedback that would be constructive for our team to a colleague. I don't need to be in a supervisory role, and I can do it face-to-face as a colleague and a friend and a peer. And I thought that was very powerful, and I'd like to see it through. Well, that is really wonderful. And that sense of empowerment is something we all dearly need, and I'm so glad to hear that you found some. So with that, I am really looking forward to hearing your conversation with Joe. Joe, welcome back. I'm so glad that you are here. Thank you, Marie. I'm glad to be here. I learned so much about conflict management, and today I just want to dig right into the other part of what you do besides being a superwoman. I'm not sure how you can wear so many different hats and still practice as a surgeon, but we won't get into that now. The other part of it that you do in terms of your work with other physicians is peer support. What prompted you to develop expertise in this area? I think that I was motivated by, and and I'm not the only one, so there's several (laughs) people who were responsible for really starting this at our hospital. I think we noticed how much suffering there was Mm. that was unattended. We're in an incredibly wonderful profession, as you Mm -hmm. know, where the honor of the work we do is so incredible to be able to do that, but the challenges are major. And just because of the nature of the work we do, not everything goes well, Mm -hmm. and things happen in our own lives that can affect our work. And we all felt there wasn't really a whole lot of attention paid to our colleagues during those very challenging moments Mm -hmm. in our our lives. Do you mean from an organizational perspective or from peer to peer? We actually thought of it from an organizational Mm -hmm. perspective, that we really needed to value the well-being of those doing the work, and that in order to do that, we have to be there for each other especially at the really tough times. Right, and not just in an informal way is what you're saying. 
Yes, it turns out that in some stressful situations, for example, after we've been involved as a, as a physician or any clinician causing harm inadvertently to patients, we have tended to think of ourselves as you know incompetent and ashamed and really been left alone to deal mm. with those feelings. Unfortunately, and many of us do recover, but not always. And, mm -hmm. and that kind of non-recovery, the fallout from those emotionally stressful situations can be really horrible for the individual, but also for the work that they do, including patient care. So Joe, I think what you're saying rings true to everybody's daily practice because we come across so many different events in patients' lives, in decisions that we make and how it impacts others. Uh, fear of lawsuits. I've certainly seen that play out amongst colleagues. And I have an example in my mind that I would love to share with you to see what could have been done differently in order for me to feel like I could have gotten the peer support that I needed in a difficult situation. Yes, that would be lovely if you could share. Okay. I was caring for a middle-aged man and I was treating him for neck pain, which I thought was musculoskeletal. So, you know, ice, NSAIDs, PT. A few weeks later, I get a note that states he actually had an undetected carotid dissection leading to a debilitating stroke. It just felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. You know, did I miss that? Ha did he have that carotid dissection then? I went back to my notes. I looked through everything. I poured through every document. And it just sat with me, Joe. Mm. Well, first of all, I, I really appreciate your sharing. And I don't know anybody, including myself, who hasn't been in some kind of situation like that. Unfortunately, it's it happens because we're human. Right. I think, you know, to tell you a little bit about how, if that had happened in my organization and, and I were to reach out and offer peer support, the first thing I would say to you is I'm, I'm reaching out to you because we have a program and we reach out to anybody who's involved in any kind of adverse events. And so that would let you know that it wasn't that I'm reaching out because you really made a mistake and you we know you're going to fall apart. We're normalizing it. We've all been there, right. every single person. Indeed. And, <laughs> and we've all been there and it affects each of us in very different ways, but there's some really common effects, after effects of this, and they usually are because we're caring, compassionate people. Mm. So I would you know, tell you that whatever you're feeling is normal mm. and then invite you if you'd like for me to give you some peer support. And if you had said yes, then uh, would it be helpful for you now for me to tell you the kinds of things I might do? Yes, Joe. Okay. <laughs> Jump in. I would, okay. I would love the peer support even now, even though this happened a long time ago. Well, it's interesting you say that because I can also tell you that every one of us, someone wrote about this, I think a cardiac surgeon, that, that there's a graveyard of patients, like metaphorically, that he visits, yeah. uh, wanders through, because we all remember, we're wired to remember the bad things in our right. lives. This is true of all of us as humans. It's very natural. The first thing so I would say to you is, again, whatever you're feeling is really, really normal, only because you care. And then I would have asked for any details that you wanted to tell me. The primary goal in peer support isn't for me to make you feel better, although if I could, 
that's what I would do. I mean, I'm a surgeon and I want to fix everything. Right. And so I think that's what goes awry with informal peer support is uh -huh. that we really just want to fix our colleagues' pain. And one way to do that is to say, oh, that's not bad. You know, the patient's going to be fine. Or, oh, you didn't do anything wrong. Isn't that funny? Because that's exactly the feedback that I got when that I shared it with a colleague who I know was trying to help me feel better about the situation. But really what I was asking for was, if we de-identify this patient and just go through the case, can you tell me, was there something that I missed as a physician? And maybe that's not even the right question, Joe. Well, it is an important question. And one of the things that with peer support, the goal again isn't to fix you, which is what I think informal peer support we wanna do because we're trained to fix people's problems. This is particularly true of physicians offering mm -hmm. peer support to colleagues. We have some data to support that that informal peer support, it's good in some ways, but it's lacking in others. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a next level up. It's not mental health professional type of therapy or therapy at all. It's a level above informal peer support. So I would have, as I said, reached out to you. And if you wanted to have the conversation, my goal would have been not to fix you or to take away your pain, but to help you find the inner resources to do that and to also normalize what you're going through. Because I think one of the really negative things that happens is that we feel all these very common emotions, like mm -hmm. we start to wonder about our competence. Right. We start to think that maybe it's not just that I made a mistake, but it's, I made a mistake because I'm a bad doctor, right. which is very different from I made a mistake because I'm human and this happens and let me learn from it. This shame comes from identifying what happened with I'm a bad person or a bad professional. Right. And so that's the kind of conversation we'd had where, where you could tell me how you're feeling. And if it included those feelings of incompetence or shame, which are very common, mm -hmm. I would first of all say, yep, that's I, pretty much any compassionate, caring provider may have some of these emotions and then help you dig out in some ways what would be most healing for you. For example, one of the things you were alluding to just now is you were looking for me to say, well, did I do something wrong? Mm -hmm. So in the course of providing peer support and you're going through what happened, if I were peer supporting, <laughs> I wouldn't be you know, saying, well, let me take down notes and who's, you yeah. know, who did what. But I would listen to you, and then I might ask you questions about, okay, well, you know, was there a test result that you should have been given notice of uh, that you weren't? And you probably would have alluded to some other factors that led you to have what you label as a misdiagnosis, but perhaps it's, you know, it's a delayed diagnosis. Mm. And through the telling of it and my asking many questions of you, what usually happens is the perspective of the error, if there is one, mm -hmm. changes, which mm -hmm. is, okay, here are the things that went wrong, here are the things that I have some control over, mm -hmm. and here are the things where the system also mm -hmm. needs some changing because I'm never gonna have this happen again to my patient, but if we don't do something different, it's gonna happen to someone else's patients. So it's tying in the learning that you can get from this in a positive way instead of, I'm bad, I, I should never do this again. Right. In other words, we're trying to change the culture from shame and blame to a just culture. Because we know that the only way to be safer in our institutions, in our organizations, is to actually look at human factors and the relationship between how we perform and what the system supports or doesn't in our performance. And if people are afraid to report or all they learn from it is what they personally could do better right. and we don't learn as an organization or our colleagues don't learn, 
then we have not made the system safer for other patients and we're at risk for having someone like you who's caring really start to have that eat away at your confidence. And that's, that's just a crime. And I agree that I think we all need some help stepping away from that relentless perfectionism that somehow helped get us to where we are today, that it is overdone and a burden in some situations. And we need to find a way to step back and allow ourselves some time to be human instead. And I'd like to ask Joe a couple more questions, which, you know, this clearly is one that gets us to its core, this sense of having failed the patient and been in some way responsible that certainly a need for insight and consoling uh, if and to some extent comfort in that situation are there other situations that we encounter in our professional lives there are other kinds of things that happen losing somebody that meant a lot to us as a patient being confronted with something very traumatic in the course of our work you know the situation that we are somehow witness to terrible trauma and have to absorb that can you comment a little bit about how peer support might help with other kinds of adversity Yes, absolutely. At our hospital, we do provide peer support for anything that we are aware of that we think could be emotionally stressful. And those things you named are, again, given the context and also given each of us individually how that is in context of our lives and what we've experienced and how old was the patient we saw, even if we had no hand in making things worse, but it was just traumatic to watch. Those sorts of mm -hmm. things are really individual, but we know that those events are risky for many different people. And so we certainly reach out any time somebody is reported to the Board of Registration or is a, a claim is filed against them because, again, the very stressful situations. And the peer support is always an offer. It's never a requirement. I think you, you know there's some data showing if you force people to talk about uh, stressful events or traumatic events, it can actually traumatize them um, or re-trigger them if they were healing. And so it's an offer. What we found was, though, when we had it as a resource that required that you as the affected peer reach out to us to get peer support, nobody called. So we changed it to reach out, but being very mindful of a reaching out as an invitation, not as a requirement. And we're reaching out to normalize. Some people find this helpful. I found it helpful. Is If it's something you'd like, I'd be happy to do that. But giving people the space to say, thank you anyway, I don't need it. I'd like to also take up that theme of normalizing the experience. We are not taught much about the stances of caregiving as we give care, as we come up through our schools and our residencies and fellowships. And yet the way caregiving makes us feel in terms of being party to suffering, to loss, to adversity, is terribly important to the experience we have of our profession. And so to normalize those as part of it is really very, very important. I think it is. An, an example of reaching out for peer support was we peer supported everyone we can find who had contact with and, and taking care of any of the Boston Marathon bombing yeah. victims. Everything was done right, but it was traumatic for people, some people more than others. And so we did group peer support and individual one-on-one, -on -one, but because like you just said, we're humans and we went into this because we're caring people and for us to think that time after time after time it's just not going to affect us is it's just it's just wrong indeed and it's wonderful that you have a mature proactive program in your institution but i'd like to pose the question in another institution perhaps such as marie's where there is not a formal program i believe 
how can the individual doctor in need of this kind of support either receive it or provide it? Do you have any insights about how to begin? Yes, I think I do. For one thing, recognizing that we as colleagues can be very helpful and also being mindful of not dismissing our colleagues pain or their perspective on the event, that just because that event wouldn't have bothered you or you want to smooth it over, that is not necessarily going to be in the interest of your colleague. So as an individual, I think, Marie, and you're, I know you're a compassionate, caring person, that just being aware that other people's emotions are their emotions, and when you're, you know people have gone through something, for you to reach out and say, look, I'm here for you. I've been through something similar, or I, I don't know how you feel, but I know these things can be stressful. Would it be helpful to talk? Or I just want to tell you I'm thinking of you. That is very powerful. So I think informal peer support that's a little more informed than the peer support that most of us are used to giving or not is really important. And, and I really do also believe that our institutions are morally obligated to have something like this in place. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to have a lot of resources. But I just think if we're asking people to do this kind of work, the idea that they should do it without any kind of institutional, even a number to call of somebody who you could talk to and, and make that available to people, it can be that simple. You know, something is better than what we have historically done, which is said, get back in the saddle and work it out and you'll be fine. Joe, I appreciate you and Les expanding it to not just my own personal experience, but then how do we extract the take-home points, so to speak, and how do we help prevent errors in the future? How do we apply that from a systemic perspective? I don't want it to just benefit me in terms of this peer support. How do we broaden it? And I appreciate that conversation. To support what you just said, I think, well, there was, uh, was a study that I was involved in uh, with a group of people where we actually looked at the factors that were helpful for those physicians who actually ended up becoming resilient after an event as opposed to the opposite, which can be increased burnout, depression, some other things mm -hmm. that can happen. And one of the factors was talking to colleagues, and the other was learning about the event and taking a role in teaching and helping from an institutional perspective, and that could be just your group or whatever, um, helping improve the future safety. That is actually very healing, if you can be part of that. I think, Joe, you've really broadened my horizons. And if you were to ask me 10 or 15 years ago in medical school, I, honestly, a lot of people would sort of poo-poo this whole idea as, oh, this is all touchy-feely, we don't need to address it because we're here to focus on the patient and do medicine. But nobody really focused on how do I keep going as a good doctor? And part of that is addressing my own experiences as a physician and processing those things properly. So thank you, Joe. I'm glad to do that, and it is, you know, it's really challenging work that we do, but but unbelievably rewarding. Another question I would probably ask you in peer support would be, in times in your life, you know, we've all hit bumps in the road, whether it's at work or, or at home. What for you? What's what's generally? What's your support system? What's the and for you? What's the most healing thing you can do? Do you have a practice or something that actually helps ground you? What what would that be? I think it's talking it over, talking over the situation with my trusted colleagues, 
I'm very close with our nurse practitioner, for example, and so I, I immediately turned to her and I, and I would say, Joe, that this would be the informal peer support. Another support for me would be my husband. He's also a physician, and so I think he gets exactly where I'm coming from and also understands me and what I need to heal, which is not just to say, oh, it's okay, everybody makes mistakes, or oh, it's okay, it's not your fault, but he actually takes the time to, I think, without having been formally trained, he sort of does this, which is, well, let's uh, deconstruct this. Let's go step by step. Was there something that was missed? Was there a systems issue? He'll actually go through that with me, and then I can learn to be a better physician. So uh, that's wonderful that you have him as a support, and what I would have encouraged you to do at that time would be, look, you deserve care and support. Um, this is a challenging time. And so uh, anything other than alcohol or benzodiazepines <laughs> um, that you would do that will help you get through this, whether it could be taking time off of work, but although that's not good for some people, others right. really need to. Right. Um, exercise, talk uh -huh. to your husband. If someone doesn't have a spouse where you can't, and the, I'm supporting for an actual medical error, where it's not really okay to go into the details yeah. with anyone else, I would say you can certainly call if the, if the person says, I, I have a group of friends, but I can't tell them, I would say, no, you can't tell them what happened, but you can call them and say, look, I'm dealing with something stressful at work. I need your help. Come and make me dinner. You know, Take me out for a <laughs> run, whatever your friends do. So really pulling on what works for you, not what would heal me, but what, right. what would heal you. And then I think that sense of, of agency, which you sort of lack after something like traumatic like this happens, right. you can actually pull back, you know, pull that back into existence for yourself. Joe, just introducing this idea of peer support, I think, is is going to help so many people from going down that rabbit hole after an adverse event. I'm I'm almost a little bit speechless because I'm just thinking through this conversation today has just brought back all of those graveyard memories that you talked about. And I, it's almost, I'm reliving them in my mind and how I could have coped with it differently. If I ever went back to grieve a patient's death, for example, I don't know. Now I have to go home. Thanks a lot, Joe. Yeah, do sorry, a lot of homework. <laughs> well, from what you told me with your, first of all, your own sense of you know self-reflection that you obviously bring to the work that you do in your, to your life and your compassion and your, your support system, you know, you probably did really do some processing that maybe other people don't, you know, have the opportunity to do or the skills or the the support group around them. And so, like I said, um, I think I never know when I'm peer supporting someone what they have, what their resources are, mm -hmm. but more than anything, I'm giving them permission to take care of themselves. And you probably were able to do that. You know, it sounds like you were. But that said, you know, I hope it's helpful to, you know, to think uh, if there are things that, that are back there that you <laughs> want to revisit, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to. Right. Well, I would like to thank you both for this really interesting and evocative conversation because I visited some of my memories too in the course of it. And I think it is just so important to remember we have personal resources that we can call on and should when this happens. But Joe, you've also opened the frontier of looking to our professional colleagues and in our institutions for support. And I think that's a really important countermeasure because all too often today we are practicing alone, together, but alone. 
and increasingly uh, with all these demands of documentation and EHR and all this other stuff, more time spent alone servicing a lot of demands and thus less time available to take care of ourselves as caregivers. So I hear a call to community, uh, a community that each of us lives in and to feel a uh, sense of um, legitimacy in asking and giving support when one recognizes it's needed. But I also hear a call to action for creating community, to ask our organizations to recognize this is part of their mission and part of taking care of everybody affected by it. So I want to thank you very much for your insights and your request that we take this on as, as part of MedPEP, as empowering medical professionals. I'd like to thank our listening audience for tuning in today as well and look forward to our conversation next week with Dr. Paul Deschamps, who will be speaking to us about removing barriers and frustrations. Thank you. If you have a question or a comment about today's program, email us at feedback at medpep.org or simply visit us at medpep.org. And now, here's a few words from MedPEP's founder, Steve Edelman. This is Dr. Steve Edelman, creator of MedPEP, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program, and director of PHS, Physician Health Services, a charitable subsidiary of the Massachusetts Medical Society. Our mission is to promote the well-being of health professionals. Many thanks to our seeker, Dr. Marie Curious, to our guide, Dr. Les Schwab, and to our wonderful group of guest experts. Hats off to project leader Dr. J. Dev Dasgupta, audio producer Douglas Stevens, guitardiologist Dr. Susie Brown, and to the staff and board of PHS. Please visit and connect with us at medpep.org for CME info, faculty bios, and additional empowerment resources.